lessons from the words of Jesus regarding practical or day-to-day righteousness. This might be an odd topic for some, but very necessary truth we have to cover this evening. Luke 14, let's start at verse number 25. Luke 14, starting at verse 25. And there were great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me, and hate not his father, and mother, and wife, and children, and brethren, and sisters. People really, really choke on those words, don't they? And his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me, cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it, lest haply, after he had laid the foundation, and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build, and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, sitteth not down first, and consulteth whether he be able with ten thousand, to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand? Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage, and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, cannot be my disciple. Father, help us tonight to think soberly upon these vital truths, and to trust you, and to to believe you. And respond to your word in a way that that be pleasing to you and beneficial to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we we have as many traditions in an independent Baptist church as we do in a as as they do in a Roman Catholic church. And we have many things we believe because they've just been handed down to us generation to generation, and, and we we think they're so because they've been said so often that they just, must, they just must be true. And then we come across something in the Bible that goes against what we've heard all our life, and our tendency is to reject what the Bible says. The Bible couldn't really be right because I've never heard it that way before. Now, we are to live by faith. That's what Scripture says. The just shall live by faith. Without faith it's impossible to please God. We walk by faith, not by sight. But may I remind you, because this is also in the Bible, that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And we're not to live by faith in faith. And we're not to live by faith in nothing. And we're not to live by faith in rolling the dice or hoping. We're to live confidently in in what the Bible says. Faith is not jumping off a building and asking God to catch you. He didn't tell you to jump off a building. He told you to be grave, that is, have your feet on the ground. Faith is not doing something absurd or ridiculous and trusting that God's going to make it all work out right. Faith is finding out what God said to do and trusting God enough to do that. And so many people, in my experience as a Christian, as a minister, they just do what they want to do. 
believing that God is so good and God loves them so much that He's going to make it all work out okay, and they call that faith. And that, that is faith, but it's not Bible faith. He that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him, not of those who seek to use Him to put His blessing upon their designs and their devices. Now, having said that, here's, here's the lesson for tonight, and it goes contrary to almost everything I've ever heard preached and taught. What Jesus says in this passage is you are supposed to have a long-range plan in place that matches the Bible before you start to do anything. Now, this was understood until the hippie days of the 1960s and back the time when people were more influenced by the Word of God and noble, honorable, heroic men than rock and roll singers and Philly songs on the radio. In the 60s, we began to get this philosophy of live for today. Shoot up today, don't worry about tomorrow. Get high today, don't worry about tomorrow. Fornicate today, don't worry about tomorrow. Run around with your clothes off and, 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 and trip out in the, in the lawn today, don't worry about tomorrow. All that matters is today, live for the moment. Well, 50 years later, they're taking money out of your pocket to support those people because they never earned a living. It didn't work out well for them or for the nation. The fact that some of them got elected president and became cabinet members and everything else doesn't change the overall fact that 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 philosophy doesn't work very well. Now, here's here's we, we got to get we got to get through one part of this before we can get to the other part, and the first of this really really difficult because as we're being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ and being made like the Lord Jesus Christ. Part of what he taught is that we are to be so devoted to him that it is by comparison hatred for everyone else, even those closest of relationships in our lives. And he taught that we are to draw so close to him that it appears as though our very own lives have come to an end. And from that vantage point, you're dead, you're dead, you're dead, you're dead, you're dead. I hate you, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. I'm dead, I hate me. Because all of you and all of me interferes with my devotion to the Lord. Now from that vantage point, I'm going to make a long-term plan for my education. And a long-term plan for my family life. And a long-term plan for my ministry. And a long-term plan for my marriage. And a long-term plan for my finances. The Lord said, you need a long-term plan, but you can't make that plan until you hate everybody that's going to get in the way of it. And you can't make that plan until you've been willing to end your own life. Then and only then can you plan to build your tower and wage your war. Now, based on that, I'd say almost 100% of Christians in our day are clueless. Because we've got a life we want to live, and we go to God or the Bible finding out a way to make God cause that to happen. 
And that's just not how it works. Or we just do whatever we feel like doing and, 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 and act however we feel like acting and just somehow hope that it's all going to work out okay in the end. And if it doesn't, then we'll find somebody to blame for it. And if it doesn't, we'll expect a government or a church or a Christian or a family member to bail us out. I tell you, this, this country so far, so far down the drain, uh, I, I, don't know, I don't know what could save it. I don't know what could save it. The, the churches are in such desperate condition. The people in the churches, their homes and their families are, are in such desperate conditions. Present company excluded, of course. We're all A-OK, uh, number one top of the world. But here's what the Lord said. Jesus said, if a man come to me and hate not his father, Now look, he didn't say a man is to hate his father. He said a man is to come to me in such a way that if father doesn't approve, he's going to keep coming. That's what he said. He didn't tell you to hate your dad. He said, don't let dad stop you from following me. And when, when you say to dad, I can't honor your wishes if it means no go to church. I can't honor your wishes if it means don't study the Bible. I can't honor your wishes if it means don't live for Jesus. Well, you must hate me. I must. Because I'm going on with the Lord. Now, now again, look at the next phrase. And mother, and hate not his mother. Good thing this didn't fall on Sunday morning. Wouldn't that be a message for Mother's Day? Jesus didn't say, hate your mother. He said, if you are going to come to me with mother clinging to you and pulling you back, you're not going to be able to follow me as I require you to follow me. And when you say, mom, I can't disobey the Lord. Oh, do you hate me? I guess I do. If that's how it looks to you, if that's what you want to call it, there's nothing I can do about it. I'm going on with Jesus. He told me to do the following. Look, Mom, it's right here in the Bible. But I you know those people are fanatics and those people are occult and those people are brainwashing you. And those, those people, they hate women and they hate children. And that, that preacher, he's just a dictator, Mom. Mom, you, you, you just, you're just wrong, Mom. I'm going to follow Jesus. I guess you hate me. I guess I do. Now look, he didn't say hate your mother. He said, come unto me. And if mom tries to get in the way, you've got to go around her. Well, that's tough, isn't it? If any man come to me and hate not his wife. Now, doesn't the Bible say, love your wives? Husbands, love your wives. Isn't what the Bible said? Well, there's no contradiction in the Scripture. You are to love your wife, and you are to be, be affectionate toward your wife, and gracious toward your wife, and provide for your wife, and, and, and nurture her, and cherish her, and you do all the things that the Bible says, but when your wife says, no church, no Bible, no Jesus, no witnessing, no tracks, she's going to have to back down. If you're going to be his disciple. 
See, when you say, well, what do you... Listen, I've been preaching this Bible for 40 years. There's not a person here that can, can accuse me of giving a husband liberty to mistreat his wife in any way. But if you cannot use your wife as an excuse for not serving Jesus Christ, and you cannot use your husband as an excuse for not serving Jesus Christ, he is Lord, not a man, not a woman. He's Lord. Now that might get you in some real tough circumstances, which is why now some of you already, some of you already, your, your lot is cast. Which is why before you build a tower or engage in battle or get married or take a job or sign a contract or pledge yourself to seven years or eight years of military service, you better think it through on the basis of can you come to Jesus? Can you be Jesus' disciple? And that's what people don't do. They go to the wrong school, they make the wrong friends, they marry the wrong person, they sign the wrong contract, they pledge themselves to the wrong career, and then they want to serve the Lord and they can't. And Jesus said, you should have thought of that. Because I told you to think about it. And people don't think about it. They just think because they love the Lord, whatever they do, God's going to make it work out okay. And you ought to be able to look around and see that doesn't happen. Well, I know this girl one time, she married an unsaved guy and he got saved. And yeah, okay, that's great. You, you found one. I can show you 500 on the other side. Well, I know this guy one time, you have this girl and she's a really nice girl. And they didn't agree and they didn't believe the same thing. But, you know, they were going to make it work out. And they did until the kids were born. And it was catechism time or... Confirmation time or first communion time, and then all of a sudden it was war. Look, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm, I'm just telling you, you can't get two thirds into building a skyscraper and realize the thing ain't lined up straight. You better figure it out before you start. And if you're going to go to Iraq or Afghanistan or Vietnam and you're going to get there and after three years you say, well, what do we do now? I don't know. I hadn't thought about it. I didn't know we'd be here this long. You shouldn't have gone. And you get two years into college and realize you went to a secular school. You weren't all that good a Christian to start with and now you're no Christian at all. It's a little too late to recover what you've lost. People don't think about these things. Well, here's what I want to do. Here's what I feel like doing. Dear God, bless it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I prayed about it. You didn't pray about it. You told God to bless what you decided to do. If any man come to me and hate not his children. Is that what that says? Now... Isn't the Bible pretty clear that, that a parent's supposed to love their children? Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, right? Come on. No, no, no. There's no contradiction here. If any man come to me and his kids moan and groan and cry and complain because they can't play soccer because it's on church night and they can't be a, a dancing girl. They, they call them cheerleaders. They haven't led a cheer in 25 years. They're strippers gyrating. That ain't cheerleading. 
it's, it's, well, you know what it is. Oh, I can't, Mom, you hate me. Yeah, I guess I do. Guess I do. If I'm not going to let you do splits and leg kicks in a, in a skirt up to your, to your hindquarters in front of a stadium full of reprobates, if you want to say I hate you, I hate you. Just write it down. Mom hates me. And I'll sign it. You know something, you, th- those babies you prayed over and those children you raised up to love Jesus and those kids you wouldn't let do anything but go to church, when they get 24 and decide they're going to do anything but go to church, that's their problem. I ain't quitting if they do. Well, you must not love your kids. I love them. I'd die for them. I'd do anything in the world for them except stop following Jesus. Now, that's what he said. And the world's going to look at you and call you hateful. And the world's going to look at you and say, you got family all wrong. You, no, listen. Well, th- don't you believe family first? Not one place in the Bible is family first. God, j- listen. The Lord did not come to the garden and say, Adam, did you do that for Eve? Well, that's great. Come on, he, he ate the fruit with his wife, you know, together. She took a bite, he took a bite. They made aprons together, they hid in the bushes together, and the Lord came in and said, get out of here. Now from the beginning, God made a family, but from the beginning, the family didn't come before God. And Jesus just said that. Now before you start one, you better make sure it's one that's going to be for God. And for you enlarge one, you better be sure you can enlarge one and stay true to God. Ooh. If any man come to me and hate not his brethren and sisters. Well, that's a little easier because you already hated them anyway. <laughs> it's not supposed to be that way. There's a truth. I mean this. All, I mean this. I had this heart scare thing uh, a while back. I guess it's been about a year ago now. You know the first person was that called me? It wasn't anybody in this church. It was my brother. Who I hadn't heard from in months. He's living one way. I'm living another way. We don't hate each other. I'm just not going to stop serving the Lord to hang out. And he's not going to stop hanging out to serve the Lord. And you know what people look at that? Family members look at it. The Lord looks at that and says, well, you, you must really hate each other. No, no, we don't. We don't. But it sure looks like it. Because a total devotion to Jesus Christ leaves very little room for those who are not totally devoted to Jesus Christ. And that's why your community views you as some sort of freaks. Because their devotion is minimal at best. And the level of your devotion is seen by them as being sort of psychotic or antisocial or detrimental to a normal family life. And you know, I look at the the society I live in, I don't want a normal family life. Because a normal family nowadays is just about sick. All right, so he says, yea, and, and see, here we go, yea, and his own life also. 
and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Now, you know what the problem is with that father? That father loved his life so much that when his son started to follow Jesus, he wouldn't go with him. He makes the son the bad guy, but he's the bad guy. You know what the problem is with that mother? When her daughter sold out to Jesus, she didn't want to. And she criticizes and condemns the daughter. Oh, you hate me. You won't come. You won't come to picnics anymore. You, I bought you this beautiful miniskirt. You won't even wear it. I mean, you, you must hate me. Hey, mom, how come it's got to be me? Why don't you give up your life and follow Jesus too? See, the person who sells out to the Lord always gets made out to be the homewrecker. Always gets made out. Well, it's your fault. We'd have a good marriage if you just, if I just quit loving Jesus. Why do I have to stop loving Jesus? Why can't you start loving Jesus? Why do I have to give up serving the Lord to get along with you? Why can't you give up you and serve the Lord? See what he said? And his own life also. You could be the hated father or you could give up your life. You could be the hated brother or sister, or you could give up your life. You could be the hated spouse or the hated children, or you could give up your life. If you've got parents devoted to Jesus Christ and you think it's messing up your home, why don't you get devoted? If you've got a spouse that's devoted to Jesus Christ and you think that's wrecking your home, why don't you get devoted? Why does the person who loves the Lord always have to be the one to stop? Why can't the compromiser quit compromising? Why can't the indifferent get concerned? Why can't the one who's not dedicated be devoted and say, you know what? I, I didn't, I don't want to do those things, but I will because it's right. But it's always, you hate me. If you love me, you'd quit reading the Bible. If you love me, you'd quit going to church. If you love me, you'd quit witnessing. If you love me, you wouldn't wear those Jesus shirts. You know, they embarrass me. Why don't you get one? See, that's how this world works. If you want to follow Jesus, you're the hater. And if they want you to stop following Jesus and live in sin or indifference, they're the loving one. Why? You hate the Bible, but I'm the hater. It's weird, isn't it? But Jesus said, that's how it is. Now, now watch this. 27, and whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And that's real interesting. To be a disciple of Jesus Christ, I don't have to bear Jesus' cross. I have to bear my cross. Look at the wording. If any man come, uh, or 27, whosoever does not bear his cross, the his matches the whosoever, he cannot be my disciple. Look, we all like Jesus' cross, because that's where he died for us. We don't like our cross, because that's where we die for him. See, we glory in the Lord laying down his life so I can go free. But we don't want to lay down our life. We don't want to take that freedom and crucify it. 
But that's what he said. He said, I, if you want to be my disciple, that's what you're going to have to do. Now, here's what's interesting. And this, again, our thinking is not biblical. Our thinking's got to be corrected. He didn't ask you to die. He asked you to live as though your life were over. Look, if you're bearing a cross, you're not nailed to a cross. If you're carrying a cross, you're not dead on a cross. But you are on your way to the end of your life. You've said bye to mom, you've said bye to dad, you've said bye to spouse, children, brother, sister, and you're on your way to a place of crucifixion, but you're not crucified, you're not dead, you're alive and carrying a cross. Here's what what he's asked you to do. I want you to sit down and decide whether or not you want to live the rest of your life not unto yourself, but unto Jesus Christ. Don't say it, think about it. Don't promise it, count the cost. Don't don't raise your hand, don't come to an altar, don't sign a pledge. Sit down and draw a blueprint for a building. Sit down and count soldiers and look at maps of battlefields and decide whether or not you really mean it. Okay, now, before we get to the planning part, I, I don't like to talk experience too much, but, but I will. Because I've seen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people who wanted to go to heaven and didn't want to go to hell, bow their head with tears in their eyes, pray a sinner's prayer and ask Jesus to save them. And they lasted in church about three weeks. Because they hadn't planned on ever doing anything else. And when they were asked to consider it, it was not even something they wanted to consider. When they found out mom and dad might not go for it, when they found out husband or wife or son or daughter might not be okay with it, they're done. They're finished. Said they get saved or didn't they? I have no idea. Only the rapture will reveal that. I have no idea. But I know this. The first inventory they took of what it would cost to follow Jesus was more than they wanted to pay, and they were done. Now, you know that, and I know that. In churches like this, people come, they get excited, they open the Bible, they start learning things, they fellowship, they start growing, and then they hit something. Something they don't want to do. Something they don't want to give up. Some part of their life they don't want to surrender. Some teaching of the Bible they don't agree with or aren't comfortable with. And at that point, they start looking for a way out. They'll wreck their home to get out. They'll wreck their church to get out. They'll deny everything they ever said they believed to get out because that, that's, uh, that's it. I don't want to finish this building. That's it. I don't want to go to battle against that army. I'm done. I'm out. Now, you know that's true. You know that's true. People have been integral parts of a church just like this, and now now they're in a wipeout church or no church at all. Why? Because they didn't plan to go all the way. 
They just, they just, well, I didn't know it was going to be like that. Well, you could have known. Well, I didn't know the Lord was ever going to expect that of me. You, you could have known. So, Jesus says, I really, I really want you to be my disciples. I really do. I really need people to follow me. I really do. I've got all this work to do, and I've got to go back to heaven, and it's going to be up to you to do it. But before you commit, I need you to give it some fair and honest thought and make sure you really want to see this thing through to the end. All right, so with this line of of reasoning, look at the two examples that he gives. Verse 28, which of you, for which of you intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? And if he doesn't, he can go down to the bank and borrow the money and get in so far over his head that he'll never get out the rest of his life. And No, no, I'm sorry, it's not in here. Um, Lest happily after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him. Now, now here's a typical evening back in 1977, um, or a typical day. I'd get up at at about uh, 3.30 in the morning, um, run a a paper route, 80-mile paper route for 200 newspapers. Rural. Rural. That's a terrible word to try and pronounce. Rural. Sounds like a car that won't start. Rural. Rural. (laughs) Anyway, rural paper route. And then, then I'd drive Daytona and after, after that to Orlando to go to college. And then I'd, I would, uh, on the way home, I would study for tests. And then I'd go to Alfred's house and we'd eat a bite to eat. And we'd go out knocking on doors or giving out tracts or preaching or witnessing until 10, 11 o'clock at night. And then next day, do it all again. I miss those days. I do. I miss the energy. I miss the, 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 uh, all, just all that. I just, I miss it so much. Anyway, on Mission Road, which was, was where he lived, if we were driving out, there was a, a the, the superstructure of a house. The, the, the walls were up. The block walls were up. And for a while, some trusses were up, but they were falling down. And, and that's it. Weeds growing up all over the property. And we'd ride by, and he would just, about once a week, he'd read these verses. And he'd say, look at that. Look at that. That man started the house. He couldn't finish it. And everybody rides by, looks, and says, well, I wonder what happened to him. You run out of money, you get divorced, move away, break his leg. He, what, what? Nobody ever know. Oh, we know he didn't finish the house. And he'd turn, I'd be, I'd be looking at the house, he'd, and he'd say, look at me. I'd look up that. He, he said, are you going to finish this thing or not? He said, I can teach you the Bible. I can, I can show you how to witness. I can, I can show you how to pray. But you've got to finish this. Are you going to finish this thing or not? If not, your life's going to look just like that. All grown up, grown over the weeds, and no windows where windows should be, and no ceiling where a ceiling should be, and no furniture and floor where furniture and floor should be. And some of you, that's where you are right now. You got a good, you got the land cleared, you got the foundation in, you got some basic plumbing there, you got some walls up. But, but some of you right now, you've gone as far as you're going to go, and that's, that's going to be your life. A start without a finish. That's going to be your testimony. It's going to be your ministry. A start without, to fin- without a finish. You know what Jesus said? Before you start, I want you to sit down. Right, right now, I want you to sit down and figure this thing out. Now listen, young, young man, young lady, you, are you saved? You're Christian? Jesus, you're saved? You're all that? Okay, 
So, does he, does he factor in at all as to what you're studying in school or where you're going to go to school? Or are you just going to do what you want to do? That career you're going to have. What's it pay? What's the job prospects? What's it going to require of you? Is it going to enable you to serve the Lord and, 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 and be involved in God's work? Or is it just going to make you rich? Or is it just going to make you poor? Or is it just going to put you associated with a bunch of reprobates where you can't ever, can't ever do anything but, but tread water? Come on, what? Well, I don't know, I just need the job. No, you need to think about the career and think about the job. And, well, well, you know, I get out of school, I don't know where I'm going to live. There's a, this is a good town, this property's cheap there, taxes are low there. What about God? What kind of church is there? What kind of preacher's there? What kind of ministries there? Well, you know, we can go to church anywhere. Well, if you can go to church anywhere, you're already done. You've got to figure those things, man. Listen, you get 60 years old and, and you've been, been mooching all your life and living on welfare all your life and now the welfare is enough to pay for all your extra bills. It's not the church's job to pay your bills. Well, you don't have any love. Guess we don't. God told you when you were 20 work six days a week give to him put away money for your children not waste your substance on riotous living you spent your 20s blowing money you spent your 30s working here and there when you felt like it you spent your 40s in a part time nowhere job because you didn't feel like working any harder or studying anymore and now you're 50, 60, 70 years old and whining about, I just thought God provided for me I just thought to me why would you think that? it's not in the Bible well I just had faith you didn't have faith in the word of God the Bible didn't say God provide for your family he told you to provide for your family You don't have to get an education, but if you don't, it's a sin to require me to take care of you. I wouldn't ask you to take care of me. You don't have to ask. The government puts a gun to my head and takes my money to give it to you. So what to do? You've got to pay taxes unless you're Al Sharpton or, or work for the IRS or you're a news commentator or somebody. I mean, everybody else got to pay their taxes. He showed up at Baltimore with a five-gallon can of gasoline said he was there to help. It's, it's Sharpton, man. Yeah, he's, he's there. Man, if I, owed, if I owed the IRS what that guy owes the IRS, I'd be sharing a cell with Hovind. But if you're a reverend that doesn't preach the Bible, you just... Anyway, you don't want to get me on all that. Where are you going to go to school? Did you take up a cross to go that direction? Or did you put down the cross to go that direction? Where are you going to work? Did you take up a cross to go that direction? Or did you lay down the cross to go that direction? Who are you going to marry? Did you take up the cross to go that direction? Or are you hoping God will let you pick up the cross later when the person you're marrying gets with the program? You know what Jesus said? You are supposed to think about these things. 
And you were supposed to plan these things. And you're not supposed to get five years into something and realize you went the wrong way. You're to figure that out to the best of your God-given ability before you start. Brother Hill's the fourth or fifth person in 15 years that's come and wanted to start a bus ministry. And he's the first one we've said, do it. Because all the other people had never stuck with anything. They'd never thought it through. They never counted the hours. They never considered the sacrifice. They never pondered what they were going to have to give up. He brought me page after page after page after page of thinking it through. And to that we said, go for it. Not somebody got up one morning and felt led of the Lord to start something. Fine, you felt led of the Lord to start something. How many soldiers in his army? How many chariots? How many weapons? How many foot soldiers you have? Well, I don't know. We're just going to trust God. You're going to get slaughtered. He didn't tell you to just trust God. He said, where are the blueprints? Where's the engineering? Where's the load-bearing wall? Where's the hurricane test? We don't like all that stuff. You'll like it when a hurricane comes through. You'll like it when an earthquake hits. Nobody wants to test run at the, at the hospital. Just operate, and then they'll sue you. <laughs> you know what the Lord said? Before you start smoking... Have you done any research into what smoking might do to you? Before you start drinking, have you taken an honest look at what alcohol does to homes and families? Before you buy that, have you done any investigation into what it's going to cost you to have it and to maintain it? And, 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 and compared your paycheck and your income. Well, you know, they promised me I was going to get a raise in six months. And based on that, you're going to buy what you can't afford. You know what the Lord said? Just stop and think about it. Just stop and plan it just a little bit. We started this church in in February of 1987. February of 1987. And I had in writing in my desk, a detailed list of what we hope to accomplish and how to accomplish it for year one, year five, year 10, year 15, year 20. All laid out. Where's your faith? Right there in the Bible. Right there in the Bible. Why didn't you just rent something, pray to God and borrow $3 million and hope God would bless it? Because he didn't say he would. He told me I have a blueprint. I got this uh, certification last month. I didn't. I didn't. I, I, was, I was very proud of myself because I was still able to, to learn a big old book full of stuff and yeah. <laughs> able to able to pass all the all the physical fitness stuff. And I, I got I got my my diving certification. That was number nineteen. On a list of 20 things I wanted to do when I was 20 years old. I wrote down, this is what I want to do before I die. I want to do these 20 things. That's 19 out of 20. Praise the Lord. What do you want to do? You don't even know what you want to do tomorrow. 
If you aim at nothing, that's what you're going to hit. And you've got to look at that at family and, and look at Jesus and look at friends and look at that cross and look at mom and dad and look at that road to Calvary and you've got to say, He's the one I want to follow. Will he help? Will she help? Will he help? Will she help? And if they're going to get in the way, you need to say, I love you. You're going to think I hate you, but I'm following Jesus. You've got to choose your course curriculum that way. You've got to choose the neighborhood you live in that way. You've got to choose your friends that way. You've got to choose where to spend your money that way. You, gotta... you know what people don't do? They don't plan for tomorrow. Jesus said, I want you to plan for the rest of your life. Just, we're, we're in the Bible. I, I know you don't think it's, I just want to live by faith. Well, I'm telling you how to live by faith, according to Jesus. Now, this second illustration teaches the same lesson. Should a monarch charge into battle without weighing all the possible outcomes of a campaign, he runs the risk of being humiliated. Do you have great plans for the rest of your life? Have you fully thought them out? Do you have things you intend to do regarding individuals or church or career? How much consideration has been given to where each of these decisions will take you over the course of years or decades? You know that, 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 big, that big tanker full of fuel coming down there from Alaska? And it's got a gazillion gallons of oil on it. You know that thing gets off one degree one mile later, nobody notices. Five miles later, you might not even be able to detect it. But 500 miles down the road, that thing is wrecked on the rocks and there's oil in the ocean. One little degree. You know what we do? We get our life off just a little bit in high school and just a little bit more in college and just a little bit more in that relationship and just a little bit more in that union and just a little bit more in that decision we made about church and, and nothing shows up for a month or two and nothing shows up for a year or two and sometimes nothing shows up for a decade and one day you look and man, you are so far off course you can't hardly avoid a shipwreck. You know what Jesus said? I want you planning. Carefully laid plans. How much consideration has been given to where each of your decisions will take you over the course of years or of decades? Sometimes we can see that we've made a mistake while the end is yet a great way off. Other times it's only when the failure sets in that we realize our plans were not well laid. But how important it is, how important it is that we learn to prayerfully consider not just our choices, but all the possible outcomes of our choices and make those that will bring honor and glory to our Savior. So likewise, look what he says, 33. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Now, if our plans to build a tower can't be carried out scripturally, or if they interfere with following Jesus, they should be 
abandoned. If I can't go to war, or school, or business, or a wedding altar, and see it through to the end in a way that honors Christ, then those ambitions should be forsaken. In each of life's decisions, the overriding question should be the same. Will this allow me to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? Jesus wants us to beware of only seeing the immediate outcome of our choices. He wants to see the long outcome. All the way down the road, as far as you can see. Well, I'm just going to drop out of school. Okay, that'll work. You can get a job. And you can make enough money to live on with three roommates or mom and dad. But one day you're 30. And dropping out of school ain't so hot now. Well, the Lord's going to come. Yeah, yeah. He sure is. But He might not come when you expect Him. Might be a while. Well, I don't see any reason to learn a trade. You know, you get out there in the world, working in the world, and those people, they just cuss and swear. And So what are you going to do, stay home watch TV where people cuss and swear? I mean, well, I don't, you know, I'm naked people out there. Well, where are you going to shop? You don't see naked people. They don't have, they don't have conservative Christian night at Walmart. They walk up and say, you don't get that Jesus saved shirt. Now, that's offensive. You need to take that off. I said, well, that's offensive. She needs to put something on. How come if a Christian offends the world, the Christian's got to back down, but the world offends a Christian, the Christian's got... It's always the Christian has to back down. We're, We're always the hateful one. Sir, you got you got children? You got a young family starting? How are you going to raise them? How are you going to train them? Well, you know, we're just going to trust the Lord. That ain't going to do it. What's your plan? What's your plan? You got a wife? Happily married? What's your plan to make sure you're happy after 10 years, after 20 years, after 30 years? After 40, it's easy. She can't see and you can't hear, so no problem. <laughs> All your problems pretty much over except remembering the doctor's appointment. <laughs> I was with this pastor, with this preacher, and he and he he said, well, we'll, be, "We'll be back." He said, "Just you just stay here, make yourself at home. We'll be back." And about an hour and a half later, he came back. She wasn't saying a word. He was fuming. I said, "What's the matter?" He threw this card down on the table. <laughs> He said, we, we just drove 45 minutes to a doctor's appointment for last year on this date. <laughs> it was, it was like, <laughs> uh, you laugh, you're going to get there. It's about how long it takes to find that appointment card in your house. You, just... you know something, a good church just doesn't happen and it just doesn't stay good. You have no idea how much planning and how much forethought has to go in to what you see right here. A good life, a good marriage, good finances, they don't just happen. You've got to have a Bible plan that's right and stick to it. 
You better get some advice. You better get some counsel. You better talk to people. You better listen to people. You start, you, listen, you ignore everybody's got a good marriage. You're not going to have a good marriage. You ignore everybody who manages their money right. You, you're going to have money problems. You ignore everybody with a good Christian life, good testimony. You're not going to have a good Christian life or good testimony. You've got to let some people help you see where that's going to take you. I read somebody something thing this week. I don't know if you believe all this stuff or not. But it said, one in seven divorces. And you know there's a lot of divorces in our country. One in seven divorces are a direct result of Facebook and social media. Well, I wonder where she is. I wonder where he is. I wonder where that road goes. If you follow that road to the end, I wonder wonder where it goes. You you better you better get out a map and look. Well, you know, it's just a few dollars on a lottery ticket. Are you sure it won't end up in bankruptcy with a gambling addiction? Are you are you sure? You sure? Well, it's just a social drink. I just drink a little. Are you sure that's all you're ever going to drink? You know what the Lord said? Stop living for today. And draw some blueprints before you build a house. And draw some battle plans before you go to war. And if you're not ready to build and you're not ready to fight, stay put until you're ready. Nothing wrong with waiting to start a ministry. There's nothing wrong with staying in Bible school an extra year. There's nothing wrong with waiting another two years before you go to the mission field. There's nothing wrong with putting off the marriage. There's nothing wrong with saying, no, we're not going to spend it today. We're going to save a little more. It's better than being humiliated. That's what Jesus taught. I've done it the wrong way, too. I started two churches because people told me I was ready. And I was ready to preach, but I wasn't ready for you guys. (laughs) Not that I am now, but you learned to duck. (laughs) No, it's not. It's not all like that. Okay. So is this is this fair? Is this fair? Stop jumping. And calling it faith when you ask the Lord to catch you. Before you jump, figure out where you're going to land. Long-term plans. Long-term goals. Long-term strategy. It's not a lack of faith. It's biblical teaching from Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, help us tonight.